really where my heart goes to is is just that taking the leap of leaving my corporate job, which is was as society tells us where the stability is and the security and stay stay the course, right? Like they want us to keep they keep us in this box and keep us in this lane. And that is really loud, right? And we can subscribe to it. And in fact, I subscribed to that for years until I was ready to unsubscribe, right? Until I was like, no, 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 actually, this isn't security. My my success is completely in the hands of somebody else to a large degree. And I had to really overcome that fear of, of that limiting belief of like, I can do this. And you know, I've always been in a sales-based role where, where really my success was tied to how hard I worked. And so, yes, I was underneath the name of a company, but I had developed my own relationships and my own, I closed my own deals. And so it was really my hard work. And it's hard to separate that because you become, your identity becomes wrapped up in the company you work for. And so you think you need them to be successful. And so it was this like learning, unlearning, if you will, of like, I don't need that. Actually, I can hang my own shutter or whatever shingle, whatever that saying is. I always botch them, but I can hang my own shingle and be just as successful independent of somebody else. And so it was really just getting past that limiting belief. And and any friend would tell me, you're the hardest worker. You will be successful no matter what you do. You're so driven. You're hungry. You're a doer. But I had to believe that for myself. You have found the place to be. This is the Self-Love Peddler Show. I'm Sophie McCallum, your personal self-love peddler. Please leave the single narrative, airbrushed, beauty bot images you have been forced fed at the door. Here we examine our relationship with our bodies and the many shapes and nuances our bodies have. The only way to end women's cycle of body shaming, judgment, and self-loathing is through a common pact and plan to change the way we collectively think about our bodies and the bodies of those around us. Welcome to the journey. Welcome back. This is Sophie, and I'm here with Sarah Hammond, who I feel like I spend every day with because we're both pretty active um, with our work together. And um, Sarah has built something fabulous, which is one of the reasons she is here. It's how I found her. She's the community officer and the chief community officer and founder of the Network of Women, which um, is a phenomenal online organization. I'm not going to read it verbatim. I'm just going to talk about my experience with it. It's just connecting women at various phases of their life. So they have like togetherness and camaraderie, collaboration versus competition, and just a place for all of us to grow and learn at our many stages and often switching periods in life. Um, Sarah uh, has always been a hard worker, but has sort of redirected in the last few years, which I find fabulously interesting. Um, so I guess one thing I want to ask you, Sarah, mm -hmm. as someone who has built something fabulous and new, um, what was the biggest like stuck moment for you in that process? Like what was the hardest point where you really had to like Pick yourself up by the tits, if you will. And like, Gosh, what did you do? I feel like there are so many times and I feel like that's still happening on the daily. But I think really where my heart goes to is, is just that taking the leap of leaving my corporate job, which is 
as society tells us where the stability is and the security and stay stay the course, right? Like they want us to keep they keep us in this box and keep us in this lane. And that is really loud, right? And we can subscribe to it. And in fact, I subscribed to that for years until I was ready to unsubscribe, right? Until I was like, no, 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 actually, <laughs> this isn't security. My my success is completely in the hands of somebody else to a large degree. And I had to really overcome that fear of of that limiting belief of like, I can do this. And you know, I've always been in a sales-based role where, where really my success was tied to how hard I worked. And so, yes, I was underneath the name of a company, but I had developed my own relationships and my own, I closed my own deals. And so it was really my hard work. And it's hard to separate that because your identity becomes wrapped up in the company you work for. And so you think you need them to be successful. And so it was this like learning, unlearning, if you will, of like, I don't need that. Actually, I can hang my own shutter or whatever shingle, whatever that saying is. I always botch them, but I can hang my own shingle and be just as successful, independent of somebody else. And so it was really just getting past that limiting belief. And and any friend would tell me, you're the hardest worker. You will be successful no matter what you do. You're so driven. You're hungry. You're a doer. But I had to believe that for myself. Hello, wonderful, worthy, self-loving women. I'm thrilled to introduce you to my newest course, Mastering Your Love Centers Through Conscious, Compassionate Self-Love. There's a gold medal in being you waiting for you. Are you ready to accept it? This course is about the ever-evolving process of self-love and self-discovery. If fully embraced just like self-love, it is endless and can deliver boundless results. Through this course, you will find yourself living fully as your greatest you. In Flourish and Fly, my introductory course, we talk about learning to love ourselves. We learn to see that we are worth the gold. Here we take action. Here we grab that gold medal. Remember, you can achieve a silver trying to be someone else, but only you have the right to your gold, to your unique glory. Join me inside of Mastering Your Love Centers through conscious, compassionate self-love and grab your gold. It's already yours for the taking. Are you ready? Join me. Your time is now. So what tools did you learn to start to live in that new belief? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of learnings from like, you know, the mindfulness to quieting that inner critic to continuing to surround myself with people who have done it. Yeah. Continuing to surround myself with people like the women at the now that don't lean in and say, oh, I don't know. You know, those people that are like actually uh, encouraging you not to, which is just their own shit, right? right. That's uh, their own shit. And they want you to play small because they're playing small. But being around women that are like, oh, hell yeah. Like, of course, you're going to do that. Yeah. And so I think that for me, it was just really that constant work, which I work on every day because my mind is like a wild pack of wolves. And I just am like, oh, I've got to quiet it. I've got to really lean into rest, which is not my strong suit. I have to um, just constantly and intentionally put myself in environments with the right people. Mm -hmm. And I think at 47, I figured that out, right? It's not- both 47. Yeah. Nice. Are you 74? 75. 75. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I always was told as a kid when things were hard, my parents would always be like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Which was like, really, at the time, I thought that was an amazing coping mechanism. Like, go to the worst thing and recognize that you'll survive it. But I have a sign in my office now that says, what's the 
best thing that could happen. Mm. And like really living and being surrounded by people who are like, go for it. You can fucking do it. Yes. You know, and and how we now see that it's not just cause and effect, like doing something and making something happen. It's effect and being the cause. It's mm. like believing being what causes the change. And we are so quick to go to the default of like the bad, of the worst, right? And I love that, that reframing, that rewiring of like, what if, and when I would coach women, I often say like, reframe, reframe, reframe. And I was coaching someone yesterday and she was talking about comparison and, and she just feels that's not worthy of X, Y, and Z. And I said, right. well, what would being worthy be look like for you? Like, just let's flip the script. And my husband actually said that same thing when I was looking to leave. He's like, what's the worst thing, Sarah, that could possibly happen? And I was like, I don't know. Like, we don't have any money and we have to move in with my parents. And he's like, oh, hell no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, we would figure it out. Maybe we wouldn't, you know, live in the most expensive city in the world. Maybe we would sell our apartment and, and relocate to someplace a little less expensive. But we sure as hell wouldn't have to live with your parents. So if you think that's the worst case... Don't we're worry about it. We're already winning. <laughs> yeah, because exactly. that will never happen. So that was like reassuring too, and to have a partner that is is, and I realize how privileged I am to be in a position where I have a partner that is able to. Right, that's what relationships and partnerships are. Like one steps up, the other steps down a little bit. One, you know, it's this constant dance of like people kind of take the lead throughout your relationship of different things, whether it's financially or you know, things of that nature. So I, I had this really beautiful support from him too, which I wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. That's amazing. And you are very lucky. That's mm -hmm. like the, the biggest gift. I often said like when I left my professional job back in 2007, my last job before my last, you know, like busy, busy full-time before self-love peddler, I was feeling this like really strong pull to be a full-time mom. Mm -hmm. And I remember my ex-husband at the time was like, we can do this. We're going to figure it out. And having that support and having like, it really changed our financial profile. And um, we went from being two equal earners to like cutting it in half. And um, he was like, we'll make it work. I, I want you to be with the kids. And it was such, it was like one of the biggest luxuries mm -hmm. that I have ever had. Ever, ever, ever. It's really interesting, right? When you go, when you have, and then you can go, you go with less, you think it's going to be the worst. Like right now we're in this renovation in our apartment and I literally have the clothes that I sort of took with me for the summer, which was like in one suitcase, not a crazy amount. And I've been living with those clothes for the past like week and a half because we're in major renovation. I'm like, I'm not unpacking until things are settled. And I said to my husband last night, I was like, how like freeing is it that we have such limited options right now. We're cooking out of a closet, out of our walk-in closet in my bedroom. Like this is where we're at. And we're having delicious meal. I'm like, this is the worst. Yeah. And and it's like not bad. And it's also just recognizing like how much how we could do, how well we can do with less, I guess is my point. Because again, back to the thought of it's going to suck. It's going to be the worst. And it's like, actually, there's a freeing part of that, too. I found that I was um, 
like when I'm constantly looking at like what's working, what's not working within my own life and just not so much judgment, but like a a self-loving eye, like, you know, how can we take this thing that's not working and replace it with that other thing you've really wanted to do. And one thing I would do was scroll the Target website just for like, what's what what new clothes are available at Target? Like, or just like randomly buy stuff, part of which I would return. And I recognized that it was for me, like, it was like what what other addictions in the past have been, primarily drinking for me, of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to insert this activity instead of living in this feeling. And like a beautiful thing about eliminating that shopping is like I'm starting to like not only the joy of saving money because like a a penny saved is a penny earned Mm -hmm. um, but just like getting that time and getting to feel those emotions and reframing it like not like I have to stop online shopping because it's stopping me from feeling but I get to stop Mm -hmm. online shopping because I get to feel my feelings which lets me save my money, mm-hmm. which blah, 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 blah. But it goes back to that, like changing that mindset of like, you know, you really don't need that much. Like mm-hmm. you don't need a new wardrobe every time the fucking temperature changes. Right. Like, Right. <laughs> Again, it's like that societal messages, it's especially us living in New York City, it's so fucking loud. And everywhere you turn, you know, from the way you should look and the way you should act and the job you should have and the relationship should look like. And it's really, it's paralyzing if you would allow it to be. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's like really, again, like I, in working with folks, I just really stress that mindfulness. It's almost like my number one suggestion as far as like when we're looking to lifestyle changes, because I'm like, that is the place, right? Like you've got to create some stillness and some awareness. And yeah, you to look at it eventually doesn't seem like that at the beginning. But as you flex that muscle, I get to versus I have to. And in New York, you know, the images of what we are supposed to look like, how we're supposed to visually, physically show up for things. I mean, bombarded. I've spent mornings where I've like, okay, I'm going to track on my mm-hmm. half mile walk to work. How many images of this like unobtainable, ridiculous, photoshopped ideal am I going to pass by? And I get to not let that identify my feelings of self identify my idea of what beauty is um, and also makes me actively search for alternative role models, images, like conversations. And um, tell me, as we shift towards bodies, if you were to go out to lunch, say, with your body and she's going to sit across from you at the table and be her own, a separate part of you, what questions do you think she would ask you? <laughs> I think that it's it's really the why. Like what why is it the constant sort of ticker of what do I look like? How much do I weigh? How is this hanging on my body? What are people's perceptions of me? And the what like why is that so important to you? And where did it start? You know, I love leaning into this. And then I've been thinking a lot about this because you know, I have two teenage daughters. And I, I don't have the answers because I'm still figuring it out myself. And so it's hard to be in this position as a parent to be parenting about something that is still really raw and unsolved, if you will. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think the question would be just why, like, why can't you just love what you have and just honor all that it has given you? And back to that, like, what I have and just the beauty in that. And again, like, what would I tell a friend? I just am constantly reminded of that, of like when my mind gets worked up and it goes to that dark place of like, is this what you would tell a friend? Is this something you would actually say out loud? And I just have to like, you know, acknowledging it and snapping myself out of it is really important and acknowledging that it's it's just actually a fucking lie that's being said in my head. And so it's like trying to shut that down is really important because I just have to continue to to flex that muscle. It's And I can't believe that at 47, I am still it's caught up in the way in my body. And that's not a resolved thing for me. Well, cut yourself some slack because there's several billion dollars being spent on a rotating basis to keep you in that trap and right. to keep you in a place where you think you need to buy your way, change your way, diet your way, exercise mm-hmm. your way, clothing till you're in debt way to this feeling that is unattainable. Like you are on, we, mm-hmm. not just you, mm-hmm. are on this rat, this this hamster wheel um, chasing something that A, doesn't exist. And B will destroy us trying to get to. And one reason I'm so passionate about changing the way we collectively think about ourselves and the women around us is because all of those industries and all of that cash and that capitalism that's that's fueling all this stuff is never going to stop on its own because why would it? Mm-hmm. It's successful. So it's up to us. I found watching... Um, TV shows with larger protagonists is like really helpful. And just, you know, even like reading um, Samantha Irby, I'm reading her book right now. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you've heard of her. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. She's so funny. But reading books from the perspective of larger women um, or women, I shouldn't say larger, but women who like have decided not to give a fuck about conventional standards of beauty or what has been food fed to us Mm -hmm. as beauty. Um, And also for women as we get older, I mean, you know, like people say to me when I'm when they're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be 50 in like, you know, two years. Because I'm always going towards, I'm never like, you know, mm-hmm. I was just 45. Like, I'm going to be 50 in two years. They're like, oh, my God, you don't look a day over 30. And like, I take that on as like a good thing. And I, I guess it is a good thing because like, I'm not, as I look at it as like, maybe if I can stay fit and healthy and youthful, I won't die as quickly, but like there's no guarantee of that. And like, like I just love for someone to be like, oh my God, you're a beautiful 48 year old. Mm -hmm. Like you look, you know, like this desire to go back. I mean, I don't know about you, but I do not want to hang out with 30 year old Sophie. Mm -hmm. Like no fucking thank you. Like 40s are great. I can't wait for 50s. And like, I often like stay in this mindset of like, if, if the past is over, and the future is but a thought. We're all living in now. So how old are you? I'm now. Mm-hmm. I'm right now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really all it is. It's interesting that that you mentioned that when people say, oh, gosh, you don't look 47. And it's like this badge, right? Like, you're kind of proud. And I agree. On one side, it is like, okay, yeah, I spent a lot of time working out. And that's important to me. And being healthy and eating a healthy diet. 
and consuming healthy thoughts and reading and just like healthy, right? Like I just tried to expose myself to healthy things so I could, yeah, I want to live not only a long life. I mean, quite frankly, I don't even know if I want to live that long of a life, right? Like, I don't know if I want to be 100 years old, aspire to be 100. A fulfilled life. Fulfi- that's that's it, right? The, the years that I'm here, I want them to be really fulfilled and, and really purposeful and mm-hmm. intentional. Mindful, as and, you said. Right. And so I have to be fit in order to, to be able to hang around for that long and hang around and feel good. But in the same breath, it is, it's like this badge of honor that, yeah, I'm going to stay young because there is the... Young is associated with societal acceptance and norm. And so you're fitting into that. And so it's like, I want to fuck the patriarchy, but in the same sense, I'm like, thank you. I really appreciate that I look young. Um, Who, me? Right. I know, right? (laughs) So it's like this real real struggle. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I want to thank you. One thing I love about the now is we have all of these women who are members of this community and like it's like we're forging the way for wanting women to to a place where maybe wanting women to be younger is not the ideal because we have so fucking much to offer at these at in our midlife you know years like it's it's um when I when I left my job and became a full time mother, and then I was started to think about going like just this transition from from working outside of the home to full time mother, like there was no dialogue. There weren't like community boards and online networking groups of women who were going through these changes. There are many of them now, and yours is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And that is changing again. If we change the way. We value what we have to give to the world as older women, and we make enough noise, and we keep going. We are paving the way for everyone to be like, "Oh, wait, that woman also has value, like so much value." Mm-hmm. We have to put that emphasis on where where are we gonna what are we gonna value, right? Ultimately, and I think to your point, we need to be vulnerable, and we need to be leaning into these conversations, and not be not be afraid to express where we're at, but there's so few places that you can do that in a safe and judgment-free capacity. And so women don't do it. And so we continue subscribing to the narrative, Mm -hmm. even though we're all silently struggling. Right. But I think at our point in life, we are ready to latch on to collaboration Mm -hmm. versus um, competition. Because as women, we are raised like to compete, compete, compete compete, compete, like, because the women before us worked so hard to be the first that the idea of like bringing everyone else along with them at that time was like pretty scary. Like I fought to be the only woman who did X, Y, Z. So the rest of you women back the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's like, okay, like a lot of us are doing this. Let's all do this together. And I was on a call recently in a group that I belong to, and it's for mid middle aged women. And they were a bunch of them were sort of like, like, screw the 20 and 30 year olds. We don't want them here. Hmm. But I kind of feel like we we do like, like, we want this like chain of women, like forming collaborative missions, Mm -hmm. you know, and really changing the way this like this sort of like, like Mm -hmm. catty woman idea that was not put on us by us, but Mm -hmm in the matriarchal society, as you say. Like, mm-hmm. if, if we keep them fighting amongst one another, 
they'll never progress. Right. So like the community and the togetherness of the now mm-hmm. is really, I mean, I'm so thankful for it because I didn't get this far with any of my entrepreneurial endeavors until my 40s. And it can feel lonely because I'm not like young and like paving my way. Like I'm older and paving my way. And so I love the community you've built. And I would encourage women out there to check out the now. What's the best way for them to find you? Thank you. They can find us at our website's thenownyc.com. And that's also our handle on Instagram. So you can reach out, DM us directly. Um, My direct is sarah at thenownyc.com is my email. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, I'm so thankful to have you in my life. Thank you for your support personally, professionally, every which way. Mm, So glad our orbits collided. It's a pleasure to be on this journey alongside you. Mm, Thank you. I have goosebumps all over. That's a good ending to a podcast right there. So Mm. thank you. Thank you. If you are craving to go deeper on your self-love and body love journey, please join me inside my private Facebook group, The Self-Love Shack. We meet once a week to continue our discussions and go deeper. You can also check out my self-love courses and coaching options at selflovepeddler.com. Follow the link in the show description for more details. I leave you with this. The only way to end women's cycle of body shaming, judgment, and self-loathing is through a common pact and plan to change the way we collectively think about our bodies and the bodies of those around us. Sending you peace.